Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, a special crossover episode with Bib Rave, mm-hmm. another Portland podcast. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I am here with Jessica and Tim Murphy, the founders of Bib Rave. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, and we are recording this after we already had our uh, many tangents in the, yes. <laughs> the retroactive preview. <laughs> it was like a trail race that had, uh, you know, missing some signage, but made it all the more fun because of all the twists and turns that we took. I like that analogy. Yes, there's a mixed bag of topics in here for everybody, for sure. Yes, exactly. And and it's not too, too often that we have a male on our show, but I have to say, mm. Tim, after talking to you, you are an honorary mother runner, even oh, though wow. you're not even a parent. Thank you. Wow. Oh my gosh. So very intuitive, <laughs> very... Um, I don't know. You you seem to understand what people are saying before they've said all their words. Wow. That's yeah. extremely nice of you to say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess that would be the definition of what intuitive is. So. It is, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. Thank you. That's extremely high praise from yeah. uh, some somebody that is very much in the know. So thanks a lot. <laughs> so anyway, so for people who don't know Bib Rave, tell us what it is. Yes. So Bib Rave is a race review site where you can go on and read reviews from other runners. You can leave feedback for what you found, you know, your race experience to be like the highs the lows you know everybody these days is looking for more information there's so many races out there something like 30,000 races in the u.s per year Uh crazy right Uh and still growing somehow Uh so there's just so many events to choose from so we wanted to provide a little bit more information to users who are kind of looking for what races to sign up for we also have a very robust community of bib rave pros bib rave pros are active running bloggers and social media influencers who work with us and some of our race partners and our partner brands Mm -hmm. and i know that probably some the ears of many of our listeners perked up i mean how do people become a bib rave pro Jessica, would you like to? Yeah, so there's sh- information on our website, bibrave.com forward slash bibravepro. And for us, it's not just about number of followers, but really how you engage with your community. So I think through the years we've learned, followers doesn't always mean maximum engagement. And so we love people that really get involved with their followers, share a lot of their story and their personality and their journey. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty key for us when we are looking at Bibrave Pros. And we do a big push at the end of the year, but we our applications open throughout the year. So people mm-hmm. can always apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely like tried the, we, we best definitely made mistakes when we were first getting the program going where we thought it had to be just size mm-hmm. of like followers and that's size doesn't always matter. It does Tim. not. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking to a short in stature man. Um, yeah. So we just like learned that a lot of people who just were like superstar influencers didn't have, you know, sometimes the most genuine content or they weren't all that engaged. And so now we work with, you know, I guess the, the term is like micro influencers oh, and I've uh, never heard that. Term. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really good fit. So there's a large core of Bib Rave pros and there's tons of perks for them in the way of free running gear and free races to run. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely check it mm-hmm. out if you guys are interested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say you all say the name of your brand really well. And it's funny because a lot of people stumble over the name of our brand. They're like another mother runner. I'm like, just say it fast. Just say it fast. Cause I, uh, before I, I was like, does it, is it bib brave or oh. you all are very good at saying bib rave. Oh, well, thank you. Separating it out as the two words. So yeah. I think that that came out of people kind of not being sure how to pronounce it. So we just, I think definitively, you know, just say we are bib rave. Mm-hmm. And Tim's very good at saying things assertively. So like <laughs> it's the shorter man. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? No. Oh, I was just joking. Cause we were in Japan for the Tokyo marathon and he really just learned one phrase really well. And he would say it like very confidently and people would turn and be like, 
do you know Japanese? Like you can say one word. Like, it was just or thank, thank you. That's like all I was saying. But I would just say it with gusto, and you're like, oh wow. Tim, arigato gozaimasu. Oh, do you know Japanese? Arigato gozaimasu. Nice, nice, nice. So, and when was did you found Bibrave? So Bibrave technically launched at the very end of 2013, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. so then we basically spent 2014 flailing around trying to figure out who we are, <laughs> what we wanted to do, what we wanted to say, um, and then so we've kind of been the the Bibrave that people know today since about halfway through 2014, 2015. Yeah, we launched the Bibrave Pro program in 2014, and also Bib Chat. So that is a weekly Twitter yeah. chat on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. That also launched 2014, and those are our big pillars. And then obviously we added the podcast, I think, mid-2016. I got to say, hashtag Bib Chat, you all rock that thing. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. Thank yeah. You. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we get tagged with that. Oh, cool. Awesome. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you, I mean, that that's very impressive, particularly because I feel, except for certain individuals in our country, uh, Twitter is not the predominant mm-hmm. means of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you all really leverage that? That's a great question. So... When we were getting, when we were in that that flailing period of 2014, we were kind of looking at different communities and looking at how we could kind of get our own uh, brand established. And we saw Twitter as a really interesting platform because it's kind of like a river of information that you can dip into, and you don't necessarily have to be already communed, uh, connected to people in order to interact. Like Facebook mm-hmm. is a little closed off where I need to be friends with you and you need to be friends with Jessica and then we can all kind of see each other but through the effective use of hashtags you can tap into and Mm -hmm. insert yourself into other online communities and that's kind of what we started to do so we really like hammered the use of BibChat when we were first getting started we just put it on everything and now we still put it on everything and what we saw was a pretty quick adoption by random people who mm-hmm. saw BibChat as a way to add gas to some of their posts, mm-hmm. which was super exciting for us because then that was kind of like, okay, there is genuine adoption from people who are not mm-hmm. uh, who are not in our sphere. So mm-hmm. that's really like how we got started with the the hashtag itself. We built the actual Twitter chat, like the event, the weekly event around BibChat as well. So those two things, consistent use, um, and then the the actual event. Mm-hmm. really helped helped it take off. Mm-hmm. And you said 6 p.m. Pacific. That's correct. 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Pacific. Mm-hmm. So I was answering some questions for, for running USA. They were like doing like a, a spotlight on Bibrave and they were asking about BibChat and it was a Friday at 10 a.m. And by then it had already been used 330 times. Wow. Which is like kind of that crazy. Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. just that day. Oh, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it really does like it's a very mm-hmm. popular hashtag for anything yeah. related to running. Right, because even though that wasn't during the chat time. Right, no, it mm-hmm. was just a random morning mm-hmm. in, on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a lot of times that, that people are still answering the questions to the way you all throw out questions during the Tuesday 6 p.m time slot, but Mm -hmm. then they keep answering it throughout the week. Right. It it definitely on Wednesday, there's still a ton of people. Thursday usually slows down. And then when you're seeing it used like on Thursday and Friday, that's just people adding it to unaffiliated with Mm -hmm. the Twitter chat event posts, but they want it to be included in like the general running conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, but you two as runners, and I should mention that you two are married. You don't just happen to share that last name. That's Mm -hmm. true. Though sometimes he introduces me as co-founder and then wife, and then Mm. people give him a lot of shit for it. (laughs) Then it's like awkward right off the bat. So never a good first impression. (laughs) Well, take away some points that I gave you during the (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Good you didn't do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So how long have you all been runners, Mm. each of you? 
Jessica? So 2009 ran my first marathon, which you'll hear more about on the podcast. And that was literally like the first time I ever tried to run more than maybe 20 minutes on a treadmill or, I mean, yeah, it just, I remember signing up and reading everything there was because I literally knew nothing about mm-hmm. how to run distance. Did, being with, you were with Tim at that point. Yes. And at that time he was more into athletics. He, he was a wrestler in college, mm-hmm. would run for fitness, but at that time still just like two to three miles. You had at least done a half marathon, but then Chicago 2009 was also his first. Oh, did yeah. you all run together? No, we did not. <laughs> we now run. We have found a way to overlap. Like if I'm, you know, we both will overlap when maybe Jessica is doing some like faster stuff, and I have a recovery day, or if I'm doing slower miles for like an ultra. We're just at different speeds, but we have found a way speedy. to. Mm-hmm. But we have mm-hmm. found a way to actually make them overlap, which you know it took about five years for us to figure that out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think when I first started, I thought, oh, it'll be more fun for you to run with me but then it just became stressful because he wanted to run faster and then I started to get self-conscious like oh Tim doesn't think I run fast enough or I want to take a break and he didn't and then we just would argue Mm -hmm. so now it's it's best when not together Mm -hmm. separate ways except strategic moments that's right yeah Mm -hmm. but I get that now that I'm a runner I understand like when you're running your pace you want to do that it's fine but what is surprising and impressive to me about Jessica and her running is, so I was, you know, in athletics in high school and in college, and I wasn't a runner or anything like that, but I was very physically active. She did not play any sports in high school. She did not wow. play any sports in college. Um, I was in theater, choir, mm-hmm. band, nerd. Good, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. So there's not, that, like, there's not that like built in, like, oh, I know how to, I'm going to run intentionally to make myself feel uncomfortable and to sweat and to be like exhausted. Like those come, those are sort of second nature for me, but they weren't for her. And she's definitely like, she's gone all in now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to think when it started to feel uncomfortable, that was a sign you were supposed to stop. I was oh. like, oh, this is, I'm clearly not meant to keep doing this. My body's telling me to stop. It's kind of like the way kids look at running. Yeah. Oftentimes. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure who's right actually, but, uh, <laughs> so, and then what made you, but I mean, so 2009, you just started running and now you're, you have a business based on running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was. So then we started to do more races cause I realized, well, I felt so great after Chicago, but then I realized without a race, it was really easy to just not run. So I thought <laughs> I got to keep signing up for races to keep myself motivated. And then we experienced some good races and some bad. And I was really big into reviews. And so I mm. just thought like, I wish I could read a review about a race before I ran it. Like mm-hmm. we had traveled to a, a marathon, didn't have a great experience. And I just thought if, if I could have heard a runner experience, they would have told me all the mm-hmm. things that this race was mm-hmm. doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And then all the, the races that do it right, we want to shine a light on those. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of how we got started. Mm-hmm. And do you find that the, the, I was impressed that you all have five K's on there. I mean, that mm-hmm. seems like, cause I mean, they kind of seem a dime a dozen and, but that, um, you know, it's such an important race distance. It is. It's the, the most popular race distance. It's part of another property. So Jessica talked about the two pillars, uh, Bib Chat and the Bib Rave Pros. And then last year we talked a little bit about the Bib Rave 100. When we launched that, we were thinking of what race distances to kind of cover when we were, the, the Bib Rave 100 is a list of the best races in the country divided by distance and then three non-distance categories. The distance categories are marathon, half marathon, 10K and 5K. And we were kind of debating like, okay, what are the most popular distances? What makes sense to actually call out? And the 5K really is, you know, there's a ton of them, but there's some that are really doing a great job. And, and we learned mm-hmm. that throughout the process of the Bibber 100. Mm-hmm. Do you think about starting a category for 10 milers? 
Yeah, so that's actually probably it's not my favorite race distance, but it's it's one of because because we, we don't like fame. We have some problems with yes, right, right. favorites here as <laughs> people here in the podcast. Some of us have more problems yeah. than others. <laughs> um, I love the ten mile distance. There's a, a race in Chicago called the Soldier Field Ten Miler. You finish on the fifty in Soldier Field. Wow. Even though I'm a Packers fan, that mm-hmm. still is meaningful to me somehow. <laughs> um, but ten miles is great because it's double digits, so you feel like you did something legit that day. It's uh-huh. hard. It doesn't ruin you for the day or the next couple yeah. of days. It doesn't require months of training. Like for me it's kind of the perfect this is a serious race but it doesn't have a huge like mm-hmm. pr- price to pay mm-hmm. so we did get a lot of um constructive feedback from some people who thought that we mm-hmm. should have included race distances that we didn't mm-hmm. we might there's still just so few of them mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. between 15 k's and 10 milers there's enough that it's becoming a thing but when we were getting our first year off the ground for the bib Rive 100 it just didn't make sense we like as, as you know, with starting anything, inertia is such a problem. Mm-hmm. So we just mm-hmm. like had to pick some and go with it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the 10-mile distance. I don't know if it will make an appearance on the Bib Rave 100 for this year, but I hope to see more races like that because I do just like, I love it. Yeah, in the Train Like a Mother Club, we're thinking about doing... Um having training plans for 10 milers mm. because mm-hmm. there seem to be more of them. And we, as we talk in the podcast, we adore the Twin Cities Marathon and mm-hmm. they have the have very, very popular 10 miler mm-hmm. that is, I mean, uh, you know, now a lottery because it's so popular. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you, have you heard of the Soldier Field 10? I have not. I, I know of, I was thinking about the Cherry Blossom 10 miler mm-hmm. in DC. And then there's the Army 10 miler, which mm-hmm. is oh, a of really good yeah. Oh yeah. Good mm-hmm. um, uh, Soldier Field 10 miler is... Memorial Day weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they have a very like cool memorial soldier oh, nice. field yeah. um, kind of tie-in. It's, it's an outstanding race. You go along the lake as well. So right, hopefully yeah. not too hot by then. No, no, it's usually mm-hmm. like just right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. So all right, well let's. I say let's dive into the meat of the show. Yes. Thanks so much for having us on and for doing this crossover. It was a lot of fun. Oh, my pleasure. Super fun. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bib Brave Podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. I'm your host, Tim Murphy. I am joined by your other host, Jessica Murphy. Hello. And we are very fortunate to have Sarah Bowen Shea from Another Mother Runner in the Bib Brave studio here in Portland. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. And I, I got pretty close on the name, right? You sure uh, did. All you right. Did. Well done. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. I know. I actually, uh, I am Jessica Nee Murphy. Sometimes uh-huh. I use all three names, but I feel like lately, especially in my Portland life, everybody has always known me as a Murphy. Okay. Whereas back in Chicago, I think a lot of people use the Nee Murphy. So I proudly support the three name. No, <laughs> no uh, hyphens in mine. Uh-huh. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but we're doing a special crossover ep- episode with you guys. We're super excited. So this episode you will be able to find on the Bibray feed and also the Another Mother Runner feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying earlier, this is your first time doing a crossover. It is. It is. We've... Uh... I, I guess we've thought about it, but um, it just has never, we never got a nice offer. So we're excited <laughs> to take it up. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great to have you in studio. Um, maybe give us a little bit of background on where another mother runner started and kind of where you guys got things kicked off. Right. So um, my business partner, Dimity McDowell, she lives in Denver. I have lived here in Portland for almost 20 years. And in 2007, we were magazine writers, very happily freelancing, variety of publications, including Runner's World. And so we got an assignment to write a feature about juggling training with motherhood. We both had a lot of young kids at the time. And so we trained for the Nike Women's Marathon, a race that's no longer in existence. Mm -hmm. But we also um, blogged about our experience on runnersworld.com, and we were the marathon moms. 
And we just really felt like we were talking to a community that hadn't been solidified yet. And so after that experience was over, Dimity was like, hey, Sarah, I've always wanted to write a book. You want to write a book with me about this? Mm. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. That sounds like a good idea. So and Dimity and I have been friends for a long time. So our book, first book, Run Like a Mother, came out in 2010. And to promote that, we started doing social media. And um, at our very core, Another Mother Runner has always been about community. So we just very naturally started talking to that community in various forms. And our brand flourished from there. And now mm-hmm. we have we have a podcast that's been out since 2011. We have an online store. We have um, daily content on our website. We have a training club called trainlikeamother.club. Mm-hmm. Um, we do running retreats. Um, we have marketing partners. We also love aftershocks. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> just, um, I mean, we're a community. We like to think of ourselves as a tree with many branches. So you guys are some of the, definitely some of the like shining examples of a community that is actually a community. And this is like a little bit of a, a, a it's, it's slightly semantic uh, on my part, but I kind of take issue sometimes with the way people use community, and I mm-hmm. totally agree with the way that you use it, and I think you guys are like the quintessential community. Oh, thank you. A lot of people think we have users, so that's our community, mm-hmm. or we have readers, and that's our community, and it, it's quite different, wouldn't you say? Like, There's a difference between people who happen to call themselves like users versus people who identify as part of your like cohort. Oh. Exactly, exactly. And you guys have like the real deal. We do. Well, I mean, I'm wearing um, one of our shirts and says, I hope I can swear on this. It says badass mother runner. You can Please. swear on our podcast. Yes. And yeah. so, <laughs> so I'll say it again. We, we, call, we like to think of ourselves as badass mother runners yeah. or bammers for short. Bammers. If your, your kids are around. <laughs> and uh, actually someone in our tribe came up with that phrase because she was like, oh, I can't say that word around my kids. So how about bammer? Um, so we d- definitely, I mean, Women who um, either follow us on Facebook or listen to our podcast or buy our merchandise, whatever it is, they definitely feel that they are and another mother runner. Yeah. And um, there's just a bond and a solidarity between us that we then get to see in real life when we go places. I mean, online is awesome. But you know, when we go to race expos or when we have retreats, it or we recorded our podcast live last week um, nice. at Goo headquarters. And it's just, it's so amazing to meet those people in person and to really feel a connection that has been formed online through our community. And I'm sure there's such a, you know, an excite, a level of excitement that comes, comes across from somebody meeting you guys for the first time, because sometimes, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, cause I'm going to make some assumptions about mothers. So really mm-hmm. do okay. please set okay. me, set me straight if this sure. is wrong, but I would, I would imagine that some of them feel somewhat isolated or find yeah. like finding a tribe like this is so deeply meaningful in a way that might be a little bit different from another community, for example. You are very intuitive about this. <laughs> yeah. Harnessing yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my mom, my mom side. Yeah. <laughs> so that, so that, because I mean, living here in Portland, it's really easy to think that there's a lot of runners out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we could walk downstairs right now and we would, you know, wait a minute and we would see somebody go running by, or we could go over to the, you know, the river and see a lot of runners out there. But if you live in Nebraska, Maine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, Oklahoma, Arizona, maybe wherever it is, you are going to feel that you might be the only runner in the group of moms in your preschool or the only runner that, you know, is among your high schoolers peer group or anything like that. And so that you just mothering can be very isolating, particularly um, if you don't work outside the home or if you have young kids 
And then to feel like, you know, you're out there pounding the pavement. It's oftentimes dark when moms have to go running. And so that you're just like, oh, I'm the only one out there. Mm -hmm. And when you feel a lack of motivation or, you know, just thinking, oh, my race is so far off. And you can go onto our Facebook page and see that, you know, well, Jessica was out there getting in her miles, you know, then I'm going to go out there. You know, okay, she went out when it was you know, if you're back in Chicago, you know, if it was zero out there, right. well, it's, it's 10 here. So it's warm compared to where it just is, you know, so that it, it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger and that you have people cheering you on and, you know, and giving you pats on the back. Hmm. And also just like from our friends that are our moms and hearing them talk about their need for adult socializing, especially mm-hmm. if you are like at home with the kids all day, um, especially young kids that, you're then kind of forced to choose between socializing with other adults or doing your runs on your own. And if you can find like, maybe it's somebody local, maybe it's an online group, like another mother runner, but kind of getting that, that interaction, that socialization is also pretty, I would imagine pretty helpful. Well, and also you get a twofer. If you have a running, a be, we call yeah. them a BRF, a best running friend, mm-hmm. then, you know, I don't have to choose between going out with a friend in the evening, which, you know, means that maybe I have to cook dinner before I go out mm-hmm. or, you know, tell my husband, Jack, that he's got to cook dinner for the kids. This way I can, you know, see Molly's my best running friend, go out and and have an hour of, you know, really fun or intense conversation for an hour, I come back, no one's even gotten up yet. I've gotten in my exercise. I've had my social interaction and, you know, I can still cook dinner at night. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, even in, when I lived in Chicago, right before I moved, I had a really tight group of running girlfriends and we could meet for a run once or twice a week. When we tried to get together for dinner, we like had to schedule it two months out (laughs) because like that time is so hard and we, neither of us had kids. So I can only imagine, you know, if we did, um, and we used to joke about that, like the time we did go out, you know, it was like, I barely recognize you because you have makeup on and your hair's not in a ponytail. And you know, so it is, it is funny how like easy it can be to find that time. And then you do get that double duty, which I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And also that, um, I mean, it's the same thing about when people say, Oh, well, how do you find the time to work out? It's like, well, I don't find the time. There's not a magic pocket of time that only I have discovered. You make the time and that you carve it out, you know, of your sleep. Whereas Mm -hmm. you saying that, you know, Oh, figuring out when can we get together to have drinks? It's, Oh, there's always some conflict. Well, you know, show me a good excuse for why you can't meet me at five 15 in the morning, Mm -hmm. you know, other than you'd like to sleep or, you know, you know, if you got a new kid, I'll, I'll cut you some slack. There. Right. <laughs> Maybe you have, you have something better to be doing with your time. But other than that, you know, you, you just have to you know, set that alarm a little earlier than you'd like to perhaps. There's also something that I found. Um, and I've heard a lot of parents describe this in terms of <laughs> talking to their kids, um, in cars where I feel like running is the same. You're not looking at each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a special moment of, I could tell you anything because I don't have to look at you. <laughs> and there's almost like a deeper level of, um, of not intimacy, but you, you feel more open. Oh it, oh, it is a deeper level of intimacy. Yeah. You know, not the same type that you and Tim share together, but you know, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause he is that sensitive, you know, right. he know right. how right. the runners so feel. Yeah. Right. Um, but that, yeah, uh, Dimity in one of our books says that, uh, when your eyes are focused on the road, you can speak from the heart. Yeah. Uh, and that's that, really good. That, that, and also, I mean, th- I mean, just things like that. If you're sweating, no one can see that you, there are tears mixed in with that, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that, you, and it's not like you set out on a run and say, oh, I'm going to admit to my friend today that 
I think my son might have a drinking problem mm-hmm. or that, um, you know, I, I think my mother has this early signs of dementia, you know, things like, but, but when you're out there, suddenly it just tumbles out and it feels safe and it feels like somehow like the nature gods are helping you out. And there's just, I don't know there's something bigger it's, going on. It's almost like the way alcohol is a social lubricant and kind of like a, a little bit of a, a truth um, motivator. It's, mm-hmm. It seems like whatever endorphins are kicking in from the run kind of serve the same function or something similar. I like that, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's getting big. He's getting cheated. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start keeping a little tally sheet. Don't worry. I'll for sure offend you and most of your audience by the end of this podcast, I, prom- I promise. Um, so one thing I noticed, you guys have so many branches to your tree, as you guys uh-huh. talked about, and Bibrave being a younger brand, we're starting to kind of branch out and do new stuff. How did you guys decide what to focus your time and energy on? And I'm oh. sure... There are lots of debates. We have a lot of debates in the Murphy household, and I'm curious, or maybe you didn't debate and it seemed very natural, so I'm curious to learn more about the process. Well, um, gosh, I wish I could say that we both sat down, and Dimity and I sat down and wrote a business plan. We did not. As I said, we we're freelance magazine writers, and our we didn't set out to, to start a business. And I have to say that this week is our eight-year, um, we call it wow. our anniversary. Yay, yes. congratulations. Yes, thank Congrats. you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was the um, uh, anniversary of our first book, Run Like a Mother, coming out. And, I mean, we were very content being freelance magazine writers. We liked the freedom it afforded. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't sit down and say, okay, well, this is the thing. We're going to start our community, and then we'll feed in a podcast. And then we'll have a store and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, our store came about because, um, so I'm 5'11", and Dimity's almost 6'4". So very tall for women. And so here we had one book, and we were going to be selling at Race Expos. And Dimity's like, Sarah, if we just have one yellow book on a table with us, Amazon, standing behind it, (laughs) no one's going to come up and talk to us. She's like, we got to do some shirts. So I just found a picture. It's on our website today of me at um, the Hippie Chick Race, which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is an all-women's race here in May and used to be in Shampooey State Park down off of I-5. And so there I am. It's a beautiful day. It's the day before Mother's Day always. And there I am with a stack of our yellow books and the two shirts. And it was the same shirt. It just came in two different colors mm-hmm. so that's more than um, we got oh my gosh and i swear i used to uh, i used to i remember that i went to some other i think i went to um run for the roses half marathon oh. expo mm-hmm. and i remember like making note that i think we sold like 17 t-shirts and like 22 books and i just was like Woo! Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? and so so um so we did i mean I mean, even starting our podcast, we didn't see that as a, you know, oh, let's have this revenue stream and we'll get advertisers and all this stuff. I mean, we just just thought, Dimity, I always think, well, what do mother runners need in their lives? Would we use it? Would we, you know, can it make our lives better? Can it make it more entertaining? Can we educate them? And so just offering things out there... Um, and no, we didn't have any rhyme or reason. I 2011, mean, yeah. though, you guys got on early. We like, did. That's we did awesome. summer of 2011. And so we used to do it every other week. And people were like, oh, please, please, please record every day, record every day. I was like, okay, no, that's happened. <laughs> but then, then finally we were like, okay, we got to step this up. And I remember thinking, oh, how will we fill that? Oh, my gosh, a show every week. And now I'm like oh my gosh, a topic will come up. I'm like, yeah, we have space for that maybe in July. Mm-hmm. Like it just, you know, I mean, you all must know that it's like, you know, how do you, there's just, I don't know, the more you talk about running, the more there is to talk about with running. Agreed. Don't you find that to be the case? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for sure. And if you don't plan 
the podcast, at least from our end. And this is where, so this is where Jessica has been, um, amazingly helpful and, and Andy on our team as well, just planning the podcast mm-hmm. out. So you do lose a little bit of the like timeliness on some stories, but just for pure sanity and, and like the most base organizational level, if it's not planned out, it is just like such a mad dash all the time. Yeah. At least yeah. For, for us. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think back when we first started the podcast, it kind of came out of a Tim, one day, I think, told Julia, because back back then, it was just the two of them working on Bibrape. Now we have a team of five, so mm-hmm. a very different picture. And he was like, Julia, I think we're going to start a podcast. And she was like, I have no idea what that involves. <laughs> and I think she kind of felt this like kind of overwhelmed and how are we going to do this? Cause I know nothing about podcasting. And so and a lot like, of research, I was like, high five. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know Research on equipment, research on Tim actually wrote our intro music with wow. some program. I don't mm-hmm. even know. Look I think it was that. just garage band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Garage band. Um, and then we were like, it might take, we might not have sponsors for a really long time, but we'll just see. And actually I feel like in that first couple of months, Aftershocks was one of our very first sponsors, and they kind of were like, we had a good guest on, Dave McGilvery, sure. um, agreed to be a guest in the podcast, and so that kicked it off, and so it's it's been a fun journey. Yeah. And, and I think we both went about it in the right way, and this is actually how... Uh, I'll just say like speaking specifically to podcasts, if you go in without the expectation of making money when you're just doing it to fill a demand or mm-hmm. like scratch an itch, mm-hmm. that's usually like a really good basis because then you're motivated by doing it because you enjoy it, because there are people that you think would like it. Mm-hmm. You know, the money can follow. It doesn't always, and that's fine too. But mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny that we both went into it. I mean, we we launched the podcast as a way to um, create a little bit more content for our community. Our Bibrave pros create a ton of content, but we weren't creating much. We weren't oh, writing anything. We weren't doing a blog. So this oh. was like a way to sort of contribute and, and create a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has, you know, grown from there. So it's kind of funny that we both kind of went at it for, for different reasons than why, you know, than what's currently a part of it. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I love, I love my, role in AMR because I have, I don't, you know, every day brings something new and I have, I'm juggling a lot of different balls, but I, if I could only have one ball, it would be the podcast. Mm. I mean, it's just so much fun. And I mean, I definitely get a real rush off of doing it. And, 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 um, I typically record it on Wednesday mornings and afterwards I kind of have to plan like a little almost mindless task because I'm kind of all amped up. <laughs> I'm not a coffee drinker, but I imagine it's how caffeine would make me feel. We'll get you a shot of bourbon yeah. after the show today, <laughs> just to bring me back down. It's um, Portland, maybe something else. Tell me about, um, we might nerd out on podcast stuff here a little bit, so apologies if we do, but tell me about your setup and like where you guys record. Do you guys go to a studio or what do you do? Well, so, and I'm, I'm so impressed that you guys do your own thing because we have a producer. Mm-hmm. And so we originally were doing it in, in a studio down in Southeast and um, it went under, um, just as podcasts were getting really big, they went under. Oh, um, so I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And our producer was like, oh, that's fantastic news. I'll just come to your house and do it. Mm. I'm like, well, great. Now I don't have to drive to Deep Southeast anymore. Yeah. And when you say producer, this is somebody that's doing the sound editing or they do the hardware or both, it sounds like maybe now? I don't even know what that question means. He comes in and he has all the equipment mm-hmm. and he edits the what we do. Okay, yeah. That, I guess I said software, but that's what I meant from like the, the actual file editing. Yeah, so he um, – so I live in a craftsman-style house. We have a finished basement and so – Oh, that's uh, it's, perfect, um, yeah. And it's quiet. The, so um, we are in our guest bedroom when we record mm-hmm. and um, – As so, are we. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> A.K. the Bibrape office. Okay. See, but ours has a, is a bed, has okay. a, oh. a queen-size bed and then occasionally – I have a um, rotating cast of co-hosts and we have on occasion had a guest or two in studio. So then Alex, our almost 30 year old podcast producer, um, he'll sit on the bed. Um, 
<laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's not awkward. <laughs> so, um, and it, until two weeks ago, it was also where we stored our merchandise for the Mother Runner store. Mm-hmm. So, um, it originally started out in the storage closet that's off of it, but then it, the hats in particular spilled out. So it was quite a multifunctional crowded room. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it dampened the sound a little bit. Uh, <laughs> like merch. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so, so he does that. And I mean, we've even had a spinoff from our, one of my co-hosts, um, because of Alex, the producer, he said how much he loved hearing her talk. And she would always, we do um, these special book episodes where we talk about, um, you know, new books people should be reading. Mm. And so, um, the book bully, one of my co-hosts, um, founded the that. book bully, the book bully. Cool. Yeah. So, and it was because her name's Allison and, um, that's like Allison, but with an E. And uh, she, uh, Alex was like, oh, I could hear, El- I could listen to Allison talk all day long. And I was like, oh, I know. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spinoffs, so, man. You've made it when you have spinoffs. I know, right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, I'm tr- I need to think of a current show that has had a spinoff. Because I always say it's like Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley, but you all are too young to appreciate that. I remember that. those. I okay. did watch Happy Days. I, I was in the back. Nick at yeah. Night, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I was on the back end of Happy Days. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then, well, Joey had one from friends uh, yeah oh, right yeah, that was yeah, still yeah, joey yeah. tribbiani as like his you new reminded show me oh, i had all these analogies episodes. about crossover episodes like beverly hills 90210 oh, and, and melrose i get to be melrose place yeah okay and we could be 902. <laughs> i'm a little bit older yeah yeah, yeah that works out <laughs> yeah. i was thinking about that and i totally forgot to whip them out in our intro but that's so funny what other ones did you come up with um i was thinking like friends and mad about you when um oh my gosh the woman who plays phoebe also plays her twin sure yeah. i'm mad about you oh she uh-huh. did Ursula. I, yeah. I didn't know Oh, Ursula, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I didn't know there was that crossover. Mm-hmm. Mm. She's like a crazy uh, waitress. I'm mad about you. There's some cartoon oh. ones, too, where I think like <laughs> Family Guy and American oh, Dad sure. might have Oh, and some... Family Guy and The Simpsons did that, too. So they, I don't think those are like official crossovers because I think they were oh. rival shows. Oh. You will see like little yeah. Easter eggs in shows from time to time. Did they do an official no, they one? No, they did for sure. Oh, oh I think you're right. Oh, because my kids love Family Guy. You're oh, right, yeah. they did. Yeah, it was like Because remember when they, don't they do the... Pour some sugar on me. Uh, the isn't that with Homer and um, Peter? Peter, thank you. Um, oh. d- doing the car wash scene. I'm pretty oh sure we're gonna we have need, to find. We this. need someone who's watching on Facebook right yep, now to Andy. look up to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because it's a, it's a, it makes you definitely throw up in your mouth. I think you have to open your mouth to let the vomit out. But I'm pretty because I can definitely see Homer doing it. And I'm almost positive Peter's in it too with some cut off shorts. So this does sound familiar. Peter's in cut off shorts several times in that show. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they were like kind of rivals at first because there's one Simpsons episode, one of their like Treehouse of Horrors, uh-huh. where there's an Easter egg of a bunch of Homers like have been replicated or cloned. And then right in the middle of this huge stack of Homers is just like a Peter Griffin kind of like <laughs> floating around. And I think it was a little bit of a jab at mm-hmm. Family Guy for being a little mm-hmm. bit of a Simpsons ripoff, which they're not. But um, I think you're right. I think they did have like an eventual official crossover. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. We went on a real Family Guy tear in our house, and I'm I'm at such a terrible mother. I let my kids watch it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, it so is. You've got a, edgy kids now. <laughs> I, I sure do. Edgy's a very nice adjective. Thank there you, you very much. Some would say corrupted. The link is now posted in our comments. So oh, Andy nice. did find it. Thank you, okay, Andy. Thanks, Andy. How many the, points do I get for that? Yeah, one? I mean, fifteen. <laughs> at least fifteen points. <laughs> Those listening to the podcast audio only version, you will find this link in the show notes for sure um so anyway yeah, okay so spin over yes the crossover yeah, yeah crossover yeah. spinoffs yeah so we were talking about like your podcast setup um and it's 
cool that you guys kind of do it in in your own space as well. You said that merch was used to, used to be housed there as well. That's mm-hmm. no more. What happened there? So, um, uh, you know, I mean, um, I love shipping merch, but it was a time consuming thing. It's so difficult. Preach. People, <laughs> I like want to take this moment to just apologize to people who have said we want like these pieces of swag or these like apparel items. I desperately want people to have those, but it is really tough with sizing and ordering and then shipping. It's just, it's very challenging. Well, and finding good blanks. I mean, as a totally. petite woman, I mean, finding a shirt that's cute mm-hmm. in interesting colors, you know, it's not like, oh, here's my UNC color shirt and my, you know, UT Austin color shirt or whatever. It's like, whoa, let's get a fashion color. Right. Um, you know, so I actually don't know what um, UT Austin's colors are, so I don't mean to. It's like a rusted it's orange. Like, yeah. Okay. But Rust, I, I orange, think yeah. people just have so many different body sizes and we want everybody to feel good about what they're wearing and so for us trying to meet everybody's needs can be a challenge and a special shout out to one of our ambassadors angie who is our shipping queen so she's she, our quartermaster she has mm. our quarter that and tim also came up with that term <laughs> nice. so she has all of our bib brave gear in her house and helps us ship stuff um and without that we would not be sane so right, right. <laughs> it so had been huge. in julia's apartment and angie's like i have a big house in iowa with a big garage can oh, I help wow. out? And we're like, oh my God. You're this amazing. Is- wow. So she wow. helps. We love you. <laughs> she helps fulfill not just orders from the store, but also the Bibrave Pros. So there's 100 and, about 100 Bibrave Pros, and they all have varying size and swag requirements. And Angie is so amazing about getting them their stuff. So we have, so we have not only was I doing shipping merch from our store, but also we shipped swag for the Train Like a Mother Club. When you mm-hmm. sign up for a program, Train Like a Mother Club, you get swag from our partners. And so, I mean, it wasn't, it wouldn't all fit down there and I didn't want to have to carry like huge heavy boxes of noon down into my basement. So I would just leave them in my front hall. And so then like, I mean, talk about feng shui. I mean, the second it's like, Whoa, okay. There's, I feel some blockage. Electrolytes. Like, yeah, like, yeah. There's huge boxes. And so, um, so anyway, so, um, the few times I've taken vacation in the past eight years, uh, a woman around the corner from me, Dana, who I know through oh. preschool, cause you know, that's how you, you make all your pals. Um, and and so I was, I said, Dana, you know, we're looking for someone to fill our orders. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, oh, and I'm also looking for a place to store all this stuff. And so they have, um, they live in a craftsman style bungalow that has, a, again, finished basements. And I always say finished basements because I think people in other parts of the country, when you say you store stuff in the basement, they're like, oh, moldy, like, oh, yeah. moldy spiders, concrete, oh, yeah. rats, you know? And it's like, no, 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 finished. It looks like a normal house down there. And so sh- they have four bedrooms and they were renting one of them. Uh, to a friend of theirs and so this way we pay them rent and it's um, sweet i literally don't even have to cross the street she i just go around the corner and that's amazing uh, yeah and so you know so when i have to stuff put put together stuff to take to on like expos and things i don't even have to Mm -hmm. cross the street um so yeah quite quite amazing to have someone be doing that after this is a little bit of a a weird pull out but what is a craftsman style house oh here you live in, and you I, say you live in Portland. <laughs> and just, it, it might artisanal? be because yes, it might be because I live in an apartment, or I'm, maybe I'm just ignorant. But what is a craftsman style house? So a craftsman style house typically built uh, in the very beginning of the 1900s. So kind of, I don't know exactly when it would start. Maybe 1905, 1900 through about the nine, end of the 1920s. And so um, typically, um, you know. Uh, Bay, a bay window okay. and um so part of the arts and crafts movement and so um you know a lot of details a lot of crown molding and fireplaces oh, and okay. pillars and so i mean if you go into irvington or laurelhurst mm-hmm. i mean um a, and you know what a bungalow looks like with little like 
eyebrow windows mm-hmm. in the you know the sloping roof. Mm. Uh, a lot of craftsman style homes have porches on them. So if you've ever been to Irvington, that's pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen hundreds of these on yeah. but yeah, just yeah. Didn't know, I've never heard the term Andy either. To, um, Look, you know, get some. Oh, post he's some already examples. posted a link. Post actually, Andy, you are so on top yeah, of it. Killing it today. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, someplace like Oak Park, Illinois. You sure, are? sure, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so um, I mean, so many of the homes there are craftsman style. Nice. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, okay. um, leaded glass, a lot of leaded glass windows. Um, typically, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of some other. Stand alone. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And also, Angie is now watching. So, Angie, you missed your shout out earlier, oh. but now that you're watching, thank you for shipping all of the Bib Rave gear so that we can have awesome orange stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to say, being here as a side note, do you all get tired of the color orange? Because I'm really impressed with not only, okay, so I, I get it. We can all wear our own stuff, <laughs> yeah. but but I mean, you all have everything orange throughout we your do. house. It's and we have an orange couch, which you can I maybe. Know, and orange throw see. pillows. Yep. And, yep. and then I mean, Benjamin, the Bib Rave 100 mascot in the background is also clad in orange. So Tim, do you get sick of orange? I don't. It's his favorite color. So, it's my son's favorite color too. Yeah. And so when we were starting Bibbery, we were like, okay, we want a color that's very visible. Obviously check. Um, it's my favorite color. Jessica went to the University of Illinois. So I'm also a Bears are... fan. So also orange. We leave that part out, but she uh-huh. went to the University of Illinois. Wisconsin. Okay. Um, so orange is a prominent color there. So that's what we went with. And as far as like building our brand, we really did think that it was important for people to associate orange with Bib Rave. So, uh-huh. I mean, we we hammer it. We we definitely like. I know, lean but the, into the decor orange. of your home. I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, kind of teal is the. Sometimes AMR these things color, take on a life of their it. own. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Our, sec- our second book is orange. All, All right. right. Yeah. It's it's a heavier theme in this room, less so in the main living oh, space. Oh no, but, but Baloney, I totally noticed it this second. <laughs> that's just because Julia had orange, and she's not <laughs> always there. <laughs> Though she gets, she is often a fixture in our place. <laughs> Um, so no, we don't. I don't get sick of orange. Jessica might. Um, yeah, because my favorite color is pink, oh, and uh-huh. but and so sometimes you can't wear pink and orange together. But sometimes I just do it anyways, oh, yeah. and I just make it happen. That's so funny. We did a, a visor that was uh, pink and orange, and some people really loved it. And other people are like, "Oh, Dunkin' Donuts colors." Right. So I like, uh, we like Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> That's very unPortland of us. I realized. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Tis, I saw tis. you pulling back from yeah. the microphone. You're about to be like, what? Um, okay, one thing we did want to talk about while you were here is how you manage running with a family and having kids because Tim and I don't have kids. So we actually don't talk about that often in the podcast because it's not something we're familiar with. And it's something that obviously you and your community is expert. And and a lot of our community does as well. And so we want to be able to like, at least Mm -hmm. speak to that and bring Mm -hmm. on an expert. So I'm going to ask you a question and then I realize there's going to be strange implications. Tim and I are not pregnant and not going to have Uh kids, but if we were like, if, if there was a couple that was about to have kids and they were big runners, what, what advice would you give them? Again, this is not about me and Tim. It does sound loaded, but Uh yes. But (laughs) then I, that's why I prefaced it, but that Uh made it sound more loaded. But what would be tips that you would give them (laughs) to like, this is how you can continue your lifestyle. Don't worry. It can happen. Right. Uh, I'd say sit down and have a conversation with your partner Mm -hmm. and set expectations and let your partner be very candid about what you want and so that as a since I know what it's like to be a mom you know if and I ran my uh, first post kid marathon when I my oldest R was 14 months old Mm. and you know so I let my husband know that that's what I wanted to do and so that I let him know that I was going to need his help and because you can think that you are sending out that vibe but you need to make it 
actual verbiage that comes out of your mouth. And same with your partner. If, if, you know, he or she is thinking that they want to do, you know, a a triathlon six months after your due date. Well, you know, maybe the two of you need to have a conversation about that. And, you know, it can certainly be done, but you need to just be like, okay, well, I want to take my long runs on Sunday. Okay, well, then I'll take mine on Saturday. Or, or, oh, I don't like that arrangement. Let's swap. You get every other Sunday or something like that. Or, um, I mean, when our kids were younger, my um, husband went to mass on Sundays. And so... Um, you know, I had to work around that. So that's actually for a long time, I would take my long runs on Saturday because of that, because I knew he wanted to be, you know, get to mass by 10 or whatever. And, um, I was obviously so committed to it. Um, Mm -hmm. that (laughs) seems like a long time ago. Um, and, uh, so that, you know, I thought, okay, well, I don't want to always have to finish up my long run by, you know, 945. So I'll do my long runs on Saturday. So, um, just being very clear, working on schedule. I know that Dimity and her husband, uh, so first for starters, my husband is not an athlete. He does not exercise. Um, (laughs) did we we say Peter? Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. no. Um, Peter now everybody knows. (laughs) For a second I was facing, what is Peter? What's his last name? What is their last name on, uh, Oh, Family. Peter Griffith. Griffith. Yeah. Griffith, thank you. Okay, yeah. So he's not Peter. I thought you were saying your husband's name was yeah. Peter. No, 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 no. I know you were looking at me like, why don't you remember your husband's last name? I was like, is, um, it, is it Shay? And it's actually not Shay. Oh, there we go. That's my first husband's last name. Okay. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. Okay. <laughs> we can do another crossover. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so Jack doesn't exercise, so I didn't have to juggle that, but Dimity's husband, Grant, does. And so, and he trains for a lot of things. I mean, he was for a long time trying to qualify for Boston, and Dimity was wanting to do an Ironman triathlon. And so th- for a long time, they made it so that they would take turns. They could only, only one adult in the household could have a big goal at one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at one point, Grant was kind of like trying to slide in like some, you know, I don't know, like a half marathon or something like that. She's like, no, 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 my turn, my <laughs> turn. I got my century coming up mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now their kids are, um, the oldest ones in high school and other ones in middle school. So, you know, they can, those kids can be left at home alone. Um, so, so it's not as imperative, but you know, when they're little, I mean, you know, and also because it's not just the being out of the house, it's the, oh, I need to get up early to get in my workout. So I need you to be on duty that night. So, um, you know, and, um, yeah. What about, so, uh, we have really good family relatives, cousins, they were both athletes. And at one point they had four kids under the age of four. So can you under, imagine? Under the age of five, I think. Oh, under the age of five. Yeah, Cause yeah. they're, uh, they were going to have a third kid and it was surprised it was twins. Mm-hmm. So then they had like a five-year-old, four-year-old or, or three-year-old and then two under one-year-old twins. Wow. And, but they, he was still training for an Ironman and then she, you know, they would take turns similar to what you described. And then I do remember there was a point where he was like, well, now they kind of asked me why I'm gone so long. And so it's Mm -hmm. harder when they're, you know, when they were babies, they didn't really know the difference. Right. So how did you manage that conversation with your kids so that they can understand like, this is very important for me, but also for you so that I can get what I need done. Right. That's interesting you say that because we had a mom on our podcast recently who did an Ironman and she had twins. She lives in New York City. And when she did hers, when her twins were, I don't know, maybe they were two and a half by the time she, or or maybe a little bit younger than that, when she did her Ironman. And she said that was easier than when they were like four or five, Mm -hmm. because, you know, when a baby's 18 months old, it's sort of, you know, eh, you know, doesn't really put up much of a fuss who's taking care of it. And, um, 
So I never really had a conversation about that with my kids. Um, I mean, they could see how important it was to me and, um, it's also a little bit different for the triathlon because he would be gone for like six, seven hour sure. bike rides. Oh, exactly. So that's a, that probably prompts yeah. that conversation right. a little bit more readily. And do, do oh. they come see your races or is it a mix? Is it like, oh, mom races so much. We don't need to see every race. Or are you like, please stay at home because this is my own time. It's so fine because, you know, with another mother runner, we see such great photos and videos of women at the races with, you know, running over and there's their kid at mile 16 with the sign and giving them a big kiss. And I just am so envious of that mm-hmm. because my kids wanted nothing to do with watching mm-hmm. me race. Yeah. Um, they, so the first time I qualified for Boston was here at the Portland Marathon. Nice. And it was pouring rain that day. Shocker. Pouring, yeah. pouring, <laughs> pouring rain that day. What year was it? Uh, 2010. Okay. And I said very explicitly, like, you all need to be there. Again, laying out my <laughs> expectations and yep. my needs. And you all need to be there. And you need to be exactly here. So, like, I wanted them to be kind of near, I don't know, mile 21 on the Willamette Boulevard. So I found this one exact tree. And so I was like, because I thought, oh, it's a great oh, spectating it spot, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, a great spectating spot. And I thought, well, if it's raining, it'll be like a natural umbrella. So I, like, oh, took a picture down of to it. The tree. And I mean, I drove my husband <laughs> past it. I mean, I nice. can't, can't run past that tree now without thinking of that. And um, so there they were under there. But my kids could not have cared less. And... Um, yeah, so um, I don't know. I can understand. I mean, it's cold. It's you know, oftentimes rainy. It's you know, it's kind of boring because it also is over in a flash. Mm-hmm. As a exactly. runner, so much time to, for that two seconds. Or I was yeah. thinking it's hard to explain to a lot of adults like who aren't runners why this is important. Right, and because you know, also yeah, because you're looking forward to it for so long, but then it is over in a flash. Yeah, and so. I just pretty much gave up on it. It was funny when uh, I ran uh, the New York City Marathon in 99 when my husband and I were just dating. And it wasn't until three weeks beforehand that somebody goes, oh, is Jack going to go out and watch you? I'm like, that never occurred to me. (laughs) Wow. So you really just kind of gave up on the the spectator Well, also because uh, not to get too... um, not to lay on your couch and talk about my problems, but that, um, the, uh, uh I don't know if the headphone cord would reach that far, We've got but, a longer but one. yeah, so, uh, <laughs> we um, do. <laughs> with my first husband, I just couldn't do any of my athletic stuff without him there. Mm-hmm. Like I very much needed him as a crush. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Just, I mean, uh, just, uh, I just couldn't do it without him. And now when I think about it, when I actually spend a minute, th- I'm like, who is that person? Like that mm-hmm. is so not me. Yeah. So why um, do you think that was? Um, because oh, look at you two sharing. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. No, people. she's Come just. On. I know that no, she's Tim like. Tim is a very good. Well, he's a very good listener, and then he's very good at like incising in like into the issue. So I think she was uh, giving me more of a yeah, husband yeah, eye roll yeah, yeah, than yeah. she was a like uh, podcast content <laughs> eye roll. <laughs> I think it was because for um, a very long time, perhaps maybe even still to this day, it was hard for me to think of myself as an athlete. Mm. And so, but whereas he had played competitive hockey, he had gotten a alma uh, mater didn't give scholarships, but got financial aid for being on the hockey team. And so I knew, and he was also very tall and and solid. And it's just like, yes, he will be my literal rock Mm. and he will validate me. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Interesting. Yeah. And so now you clearly have like, you no longer need that like outside affirmation to like define yourself as an athlete. So when I went through my divorce, which was an unexpected divorce, um, I worked a lot on really knowing that I could go, go it on my own. Mm. 
and um, that to me at the time, relying on someone else felt like literally stopping in a race and sitting on a couch. Mm. It felt that much. It felt that much like taking a break. So I really taught myself how to prop myself up and oh. go on solo. And so I think uh, it's now harder for me to be like, oh, I need your help. And um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I seem incredibly self-sufficient to my husband. I think that's a, I think that's a problem. And, uh, I just also seem like I got this. And so, yeah. Do you feel like you like overcorrected or do oh, you feel I sure like, do. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, um, but I also, it's, a, you know, you have to have an understanding that, that the person's not going to make you kind of guilt you into being like, ugh. It was really, I had to wait a really long time for you, and it was really boring. And gosh, I couldn't find parking, and the kids were crying, and so um, yeah, yeah, because you don't want to feel bad as the runner. So I ran New York Marathon last fall with my friend, and she had a I'm thinking like a 15 month old at the time. Oh boy! And so her husband is both of our first time running New York. So I meet up with her race morning. We're gonna run together, and she's like, well you know, my husband's going to try to see me three times. Oh, and boy. immediately I thought, I don't know. Well, it's New York. There's a whole lot of people. So I was like, well, hopefully we'll just see him once. And then the entire race, we did not see him once oh, because yeah. we missed the first stop. Uh, the, the, the first mile marker he was supposed to be at took the subway the wrong direction. So oh, I was goodness. like, I'm just going to meet you at mile. T- it was supposed to be mile eight, mile 12. And then he got back and then mile 12 goes by. We don't see him. She calls. And then he's still in the subway going in the wrong direction. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to go to Manhattan and still didn't make it there. And also her 15 month old was getting cranky. They had to stop oh, to course. get food. A, have a blowout, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And so... I think it was like one, she felt bad. She's like, she's internally, she felt bad that he was obviously going to have a bad day. But then she also was sad. She didn't get to see them. So it was like all of these emotions. And I was just trying to keep her moving forward and like stay focused and, you know, don't worry about Roddy because it'll be fine and all of that. So it it just, it's a lot to to have to think about. It is. And it's a, it's a weight on your shoulders that you don't need in a race. Yeah. You know, you're already carrying enough expectations of your own, but to Mm -hmm. have to carry on someone else's. Um, yeah, that, that said though, my, um, husband and, uh, at the time, baby daughter, my older daughter, Phoebe, uh, they saw me the, that race that I ran marathon I ran was Napa Valley, uh, when Phoebe was 14 months old and, um, stopping and kissing her at about mile 17 was the high point of that race. Yeah. I can um, yeah. And so, but I mean, then, uh, the first time I qualified, I guess the second time I called, oh no, I tried to qualify for Boston. When I said my PR, um, Phoebe was, first grader and so she came down with her kindergarten teacher who i was good friends with oh, wow and it's pretty oh cool my gosh oh it's very cool but like phoebe was so she she's not real outspoken and so she i went by and she's like has a tiny little sign she's like go mom mm. and i'm like oh <laughs> i need more so, <laughs> get her up a mile ahead let's yeah, do this again right right so um and then i had a very very um my, that was a very tough ending for me for that, uh, the finish, like the last two tenths of a mile were really, really rough. And I nearly collapsed at the finish line. Oh, wow. And it was as a mom, it was running through my head that she's seeing this. Phoebe mm-hmm. is watching this. Phoebe is watching mom about the crumple to the ground. Like I got to hold this together so she doesn't get scared. Yeah. Interesting. So again, but the expectations that then even in that moment, I can't just worry about myself and have a selfish moment. I have to be like, no, can't let Phoebe see this. Yeah. <laughs> All I want to do is I mean, just crumble. Yeah. I even have, that so actually our Andy who is watching us on social and posting from Bibrave he came and watched us run Boston the first time I ever ran Boston he flew out to 
to see me run. And I was, had a horrible race and starting really early. And he was at Heartbreak Hill and uh, we actually, he never saw me. So again, (laughs) misconnections theme, but I remember leading up to that. I was like, I feel like shit. I look like shit. (laughs) But when I run past Andy, I got to look good. Like you think about that. You're like, how do I just feel like shit right now? And then turn it on just until I pass whoever's seeing me and then look like shit. Go into my pain cave again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even like dress up. I just go like, I advertise the thumbs down for everybody. And it's like, this is, this is a mess. Oh, very good. Well, I'm glad that you are in like a, a good, you know, place for how you feel like, you know, how you sustain yourself, but also I'm sure the community helps you so much as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How often do you feel like you are running into people and being like either recognized or having established meetups at, at races now? Like everything is kind of a, a roadshow for you guys, right? So, um, so to tease those two apart, I mean, we do, um, with the train, like a mother club, Dimity organizes what, uh, we were calling last year, uh, meetup races. And so that, um, so let's say you buy a marathon training plan with us, but you kind of don't have a race picked out. And then you hear like, oh, okay, they're all meeting up. You know, a bunch of other runners are going to get together at the Twin Cities Marathon or Flying Pig or whatever. And so that we hope that that kind of funnels people into that. And then we have a shakeout run the day before the um, marathon or typically sometimes the half marathon. Um, And I say that because... Philadelphia was one of our meetup races last year and they had the half marathon the day before. Mm-hmm. So that I was kind of stumbling over the, the days. I think their shakeout run maybe was on Friday, but, um, and then sometimes we'll have a Q and a with some of our, uh, coaches train like some other coaches in the afternoon before the race, well before people want to go off and eat their, you know, pre-race meals. So that's super fun to get to know that and to me- then bring the online community into life in, in, IRL. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then this year we're starting having people wear, um, we're giving out at races, um, rubber bracelets, kind of a la live strong bracelets. They're, they're teal green, which is our color. Um, and they say another mother runner on it. And that's so that, you know, if, if, I'm in a race or, you know, some other mother runners in a race, you can spot each other yeah. by wearing that. That's cool. So yeah. So like again, that. enhancing that community. Totally. And so, um, yeah. So, uh, but then in terms of being recognized, I love that when that happens so much fun. And, uh, because note, I have, you know, <laughs> because I have a distinctive voice, sometimes I'll get recognized by my voice alone. Cool. People will stop at expos and be like, wait a minute, you're Sarah from another mother runner. I'm like, yes, I am. Um, uh, it happened, um, last spring, uh, last September, I think it was, I was in O'Hare airport and, um, so, you know, a big airport where a lot of people are and I'm sitting down eating my lunch and a woman just makes a beeline like from across the other side of the concourse just zooms over I'm so sorry to disturb you but you're Sarah from another mother runner aren't you I was just listening to your podcast on the way to the airport I'm like you just made my day that's awesome and she could tell just by the way you were eating lunch something I don't know like and I thought are you continually scanning the crowd and being like no that's not Oprah no that's not Robert Redford but it's Sarah like like Like, uh, the Terminator where you just like cycle through people yes exactly that's exactly it it's like okay that's what I'll have to put up with then it's just Sarah so, um, I don't know why Oprah and Robert Redford are the two celebrities that not- Oprah, Chicago, Robert Redford. I mean, come yeah, on. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that head of hair, Bob Redford. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's very, very fun when that happens. And, um, surprisingly I get recognized a fair bit traveling and, uh, oftentimes traveling with my kids. So they think it happens a lot. Mm. Whereas I don't know. Let them think that. Yeah. yeah. They think it's cool or uncool. Um, they think it's kind of like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um, that's why people to my mom like that's yeah. weird <laughs> yeah 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 so um 
Uh, no, it's part. It's part of their part of their what their everyday life. They just think that happens. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Going back to the the feeling, what you were saying earlier about like this, not wanting to accept help. I kind of have like two random thoughts that came mm-hmm. to mind. One, mm-hmm. for me, I came to running super late in life. I ran my first marathon in 2009, having never even done like a 5K before. Oh my before. goodness, Like no. one of those, I thought I was going to check it off my bucket list and then never run again. And uh, then- Now look at you. Yeah, I liked it way more than I thought. And now it's my whole life. So uh-huh. who knew? Um, you have what, 18? 20. 20 marathons. Tokyo was in, 20. In nine years? Yes, in I don't basically recommend it. eight years because <laughs> yeah. it were bar- it's barely 2018. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, but for me, I just remember when I describe my first marathon to people, I just feel like in our lives, there are so few things you have so much control over. Oh. And, you know, in work, in personal family, there's lots of things you can't control. But running was this thing where I was like, I have this training plan. It's up to me whether or not I get my runs in. Mm-hmm. It's up to me whether I follow all of the plans to be successful on race day. Sure. And my first couple of races, super successful. And then I had a lot of races similar to what you described, not successful, like mm-hmm. barely able to stand up. And then that almost taught me like a new level of like a new relationship with my running where you can only control what you can control and mm-hmm. you might not always get the outcome you want. And then how do you deal with that and learn from that and move forward? But for me, being able to control running, which I guess Shows you a little bit about my personality. <laughs> I like to control things. That's your type A. Right. So yes. it, that was very gratifying for me. And it made me feel like I I can be in charge of this outcome for myself. And uh-huh. that reminded me a lot of what you were, uh-huh. were describing and how you kind of changed your relationship with running and now how, like what that serves for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say, as you get older, you will find that you are less in control of your running oh, because yeah. you can say, okay, well, I'm going to train for this, you know, ultra or this marathon or whatever. And, oh, your IT band or your, you know, your uh, Achilles has different ideas. Exactly. <laughs> and that can happen regardless of age, just on race day. And that's something that we've kind of both oh. learned. Like you can have a great cycle and it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. if it's 75 on race day, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. You're not going to run what you thought you were going to run. It is also so intriguing because that moment in time that it's also not just the day, it's those four hours, those five hours, whatever it is. Because I mean, I think about that day in 2010, it was pouring buckets in the morning. And that afternoon I went on a slow walk around my neighborhood because it was a beautiful afternoon, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, oh my gosh, like who is up there in the sky controlling things and saying, well, this is the window of you're going to get right now and your intestinal tract is going to do this. <laughs> yeah. and, <you> know. <laughs> but that's, that's part of what makes it great is that like anybody can have good races on good race days, but if you can like put, sometimes there are just like hard stops. Like if it's 75, 80, there's just like a biological stop for you there. Like you can't, not like an actual stop, a metaphorical stop. You can't just like hit your PR, your uh-huh. PR goal most likely. Um, but there are other things you can battle through. And that's like such, I think such a cool part of running is that it, it sort of brings out that, that badass in, in all of us mm-hmm. that can push through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. another thing that has, I guess, evolved my relationship with running is, so since we started partnering with Aftershocks, I was testing out their products and I, I used to listen to music on the run we were still living in Chicago back in like 2012, 2013, crime got really bad. And I basically stopped listening to music on the run. Actually, Tim kind of made me stop. After me yelling at her like 
10 times, this is super unsafe. Like, no, 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 seriously, it's unsafe. No, no, I'm, I really, it's making me uncomfortable. Please don't run in the morning in the dark with something that's blocking out one of your, like your audio senses. Yeah. It was before we got hooked up with the training group. So I did all of my runs solo. Mm -hmm. And that's how I always listened to music. So I kind of slowly weaned myself off of like the weekday morning with the headphones in, I would still use them on the, um, on my long runs. And then eventually I didn't need them anymore because I got so used to just going out the door and not having to deal with the cord. Um, so then once we got hooked up with Aftershocks, I started testing it out. And the big thing for us was podcasts. So I didn't used to be a big podcast mm-hmm. listener. Tim started listening way earlier than I did. So I was like, oh, this will be a great new reason to try learn- listening to content because I don't need music anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was life-changing for me because mm-hmm. you know it's like three hours, four hours, five hours every week we spend running that I could now listen to learn something new or, or listen to content that you just don't have time in your every day. Story, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's been game changing for me. I still do most of my runs alone, oftentimes in the morning in the dark, but now with the aftershocks Which, and having the situational awareness, that's been huge for me. Yeah. So we use the hashtag safe as a mother runner mm-hmm. for when talking about aftershocks and that cool. because it is, and it's not only, okay, so you can hear traffic, you could hear someone approaching you an animal, but then, you know, you do a relay race, you can hear course officials talking to you. <laughs> and as a, I sometimes do race, um, emceeing and so oh, I can't tell, and I do it oftentimes at women's races and I can't tell you how crazy it drives me when I'm like, I've said something really clever or really encouraging <laughs> and, and the person's completely oblivious to it. And I make, and I'm very conscientious of trying to be like, oh, okay, you know, and here comes Jessica Murphy from Portland, Oregon, way to rocket Jessica. And you're like, you know, Lady Gaga, white cord swinging around. And so, so I realized that, oh, you know, then you can hear race announcers. And now that it's springtime, I can hear birds at the mm-hmm. same time while I'm listening to my podcast or my music. Oh. So, um, yeah. You are fully appreciating all of the audio inputs. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. 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 I use, I'm, I like kind of nerd out and using them. So I trained for an ultra last year and I did, um, Wildwood end to end for oh, like nice. one of my training oh, runs. And I just, I've done it before with my running club, but this was just like a weird pace. I was going to have to go really, really slow. And it was at a weird time of day. So I just did it by myself. But I listened to, I don't know, something like seven podcasts oh, during that. And something that I've talked to other people about where they're like, yeah, I want to listen to podcasts, but a lot of times I'm getting so much good information. I want to like write it down or make a note oh, somehow. Goodness. So I will just like hold down the multifunction button that calls up Siri. I'll say, Siri, send me a text message that says, look up the Kevin Rose show. And she'll say, send you a text message that says, look up the Kevin Rose show. And I will say yes. And she will send it. So then it'll be waiting for me when I'm done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Talk about nerding out, man. That is amazing. (laughs) Or in that same run, because he was running south to north, I was going to pick him up at the end of the run. He would say, like, call up Siri and say, send Jessica a text message. I'm at mile 24 or like I'm at mile whatever. So I I kind of knew how far out he was. You need to tell me. So which button is it that I would push to it's activate the multi, Siri? It's basically the, the one, one that where you I use pause. to, to okay. pause. Okay, that's the only way I use it is to pause. To, yes, to answer calls. Too. And then okay. if you hold it down, it will call up Siri. Really? Mm-hmm. So that's, you hold it down and then Siri, you hear that doo-doo. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Yep. Okay, no, I just use it to pause. A, like if my neighbor starts talking to me and they don't realize I'm wearing headphones, <laughs> you know, I'll pause it and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Da, da, da. Um, yeah. yeah um, I can, I can kind of go through the exact verbiage I use when calling her up, but it's, it's just what I said. Just send me a text message. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what podcast do you listen to? Listen to a variety of podcasts. And you can, um, you can talk genre or you can yeah. go down so to specific I, shows um, if you want. Uh, I listen to a lot of political podcasts. I uh, enjoy a lot of true crime podcasts. Um, 
I, um, the series that I've been listening to that I listened to just this morning is Heaven's Gate. Mm. It's about the cult in the, um, nineties that, uh, they, um, all commit mass suicide and, uh, they, um, and they were all wearing black Nikes. If oh. that rings a bell. This um, isn't the Waco one, right? No, but it was, uh, they definitely took inspiration from Waco in terms of like being that committed to your cause. <laughs> it's quite a, um, quite a source so, from which to draw so, information. So, uh, so, in, inspiration. so I'm doing a cult deep dive right now. Cause I'm listening to heaven's gate and I'm watching wild, wild country on Netflix, oh, I don't know which that is word. about the Bhagwan Rajneesh community out in Antelope, Oregon. Wow, so many words um, that I've never they, heard you know before. What they, they always wore the colors of the setting sun. So, oh. um, you know, your orange wood, you could just go right out there. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, Awkward turtle. He- Heaven's Gate is uh, a really well done podcast. Hmm. Um, it's by um, uh, Glenn Washington is the host, and he also does Snap Judgment. Oh, okay. Um, I know him. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I like a lot of um, NPR, Gimlet, um, mm-hmm. Panoply. Um, shows okay so yeah and one of um, our listeners tim michaels says hail bob comet people right yes hail bob okay hail bob yeah hail yeah bob. they thought okay. that um Haley's, oh oh oh, oh. yes Haley's yes comet was gonna come by and right. pick them up and so they were just leaving their um their physical vessels behind they thought they were being transported up to a ufo mm. hail bob was a different comet though, oh hail bob right? was oh, i okay, think yeah. so okay yeah mm, okay so yeah andy for sure is gonna correct me if yeah. i'm wrong on that one. <laughs> <laughs> andy is like mr science yeah. so he's either going he's either like pulling his hair out or he's nodding in affirmative <laughs> affirmation so um yeah so that's a, that's kind of a quirky podcast to be listening to but um yeah yeah so. all right mm-hmm. i i do a mixture i like to use this time is like to learn something new. So I listen to a lot of like NPR, how I built this is a big one. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, well, also fun. their Ted talks. And then recently I've listened to some Bon Appetit, uh, oh. food casts. Those are, isn't that a new podcast? Um, they've been around for a while, oh. but they have actually, well, I have highly recommend That's what they have. Mm-hmm. it's not Thanksgiving season, but the Thanksgiving episode last year with Bobby Flay was really interesting because he talked about like the different themes he does for all of his Thanksgiving uh, dinners. Um, and then lately I've been listening to the Atlantic interview podcast. So I used to work at the Atlantic oh. and their editor in chief who, when I was there, he was like one of the uh, writers at large feature editor writers. And now he's their editor in chief, extremely smart man, funny and and witty and just very knowledgeable, but also brings levity mm-hmm. even even to very serious topics without not in, in an inappropriate way. Yes. Um, and the episodes are only twenty to thirty minutes, and so nice. it's a good kind of like quick hit. Yeah, yeah. Definitely nice. check that out. He's I, especially just given some of the interest um, directions that you have. I feel like that would uh-huh. appeal to you as well. Uh-huh. Do you listen to Case File? Uh, I have listened to Case File. I don't. Um, I, I I was I did a deep dive into true crime, mm-hmm. um, and I sort of get a little too dark. For yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 some of them not so well done. I mean, Case Files was pretty well done, uh-huh. but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably if I could only have one podcast, I'd listen to the Daily, the New York Times okay. show, the Daily. Yeah, I, mean, I get that um, via Alexa. Yeah, and so and I even talk back to that. You know, so like I love how he is very um, specific in how he says things. You know, Barbaro, uh, Michael Barbaro, yeah, yeah. Barbaro. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, here's what else you need to know today, and you know, and all that type of stuff. At the end, he always says, um, "See you tomorrow." And I used to think that's so stupid. It's a podcast, and now I'm like, "See you tomorrow, Michael." <laughs> Turn right. <laughs> yeah, up so, and early. So this morning, I almost started listening to it before I left because I got up too early today, and um, I was like, "Nope." No, no, no. I want to, you know, hear that theme music and that whole thing. So cool. Yeah. So I've only listened, I'm about to finish the first like 
three-part episode for Case File about the Silk Road. It's mm-hmm. kind of my introduction into that show. Mm-hmm. I really like it so far. That subject matter is, are you guys familiar with what the Silk Road is? Mm-hmm. The like illicit website or illicit goods and like marketplace. Um, yeah, really interesting about the founder and like how that all went down. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. one more suggestion. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so before we end the podcast, tell us what's coming up for you in 2018. What races do you have on your calendar yeah. or new things that are happening or old things that are getting better with another mother runner? It's so fine because I thought, oh, they're going to ask me what race I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> given, given what Bib Rave is all about. Um, I uh, The only race I have on my calendar so far this year is I'm doing uh, Ragnar Relay Northwest Passage. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it should be beautiful. Yeah. It starts, as you all know, uh, just south of the Canadian border and goes down uh, to an island off of Seattle. Doing that with um, just this year, we um, chose 33 women out of 350 to be what we call BAM ambassadors, uh, ambassadors for AMR. Nice. And uh, you all know from ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> we do, yes. And uh, so uh, that's, um, we're getting a bunch of them together. And uh, we have a partnership this year with Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. That's very cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's yeah. parked a block away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, oh, come on. It's right. You know, it's in the Pacific Northwest. And I got this amazing van. And like, it would be a fun way to showcase it. And, and I'm crazy about our BAM ambassadors. So, um, so doing that. And I'm to- uh, toying with the idea of doing Twin Cities Marathon again. I don't know. Um, again, going back to the whole aging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it, uh, yeah. So, um, right. yeah. Don't yeah. feel bad. I don't have anything on my calendar. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. No, need- no pressure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jessica, you have what, like 17 of them yeah. on your calendar? So I actually rarely have nothing on my calendar right oh. now because I just finished this thing where I did six marathons in six months, which is partially why I'm up to 20 because I condensed a bunch really close in. Um, but we both ran Tokyo, I guess just over a month ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. Congratulations. um, Thank you. And now I'm like, my body just needs a rest Mm -hmm. and people keep asking me what's next. And I kind of say, you know, I'm just going to, I'm having some knee issues that are on the mend, but I'm just not going to sign up for anything until I feel like I can run pain-free and get back into it. Cause I know like you just don't want to mess with things like that. Okay. So then I have to ask you what's been your favorite marathon. Hmm. I don't give good answers to this because (laughs) she's bad at favorites questions. I am bad at favorites questions. Actually, Tim can embarrass me right now. So on our first date, I love questions about favorites and I don't like, and I love, and I love asking them and it makes Jessica super uncomfortable because she's worried about giving the wrong answer, which there is no wrong answer because it's your favorite, except she found a way to give the wrong answer. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, like what's your favorite movie or something like that on our first date. Uh And she kind of like, froze panicked yes and she's like um i don't know i really like the rock and i'm like the the rock your favorite movie is the rock and she's like well i don't know i'm like you mean with nick cage like the rock about alcatraz like the the rock is your favorite movie and she was like like unredeemable like she she could not even like pull herself together she's like laughing and super embarrassed so no wrong answers and yet well okay so this is this is why i don't like favorite questions i so i i am a cancer but last week we talked about this as a team i'm a gemini cancer cusper and i think the gemini part of me doesn't like to pick one like i my favorite animated movie could be like Mulan or Frozen, but then I love The Gladiator. And how could you ever pit these two things together? Like, well, they're so different. So, 
you know, I, I, you could pick a favorite in a genre, but just picking one. And then I was like, well, if I say something like The Gladiator, that's so cliche. But if I say something like a Disney movie, he's going to be like, what's wrong with this woman? So I just picked something kind of... Not esoteric, but so I wanted to pick something random. Whoa, not esoteric. <laughs> but no. I wanted to pick something. Are you thinking eccentric because it's <laughs> Nick Cage? If you mentioned that she worked for the Atlantic, I'd be like, she doesn't know what esoteric means. <laughs> I, I wanted to pick something random, like that wouldn't be super obvious. And I thought it's it would quirky. be. It was a quirky choice. Quirky. It was a quirky choice. Go. Yes. I thought it'd be quirky. And we still still tell the story to this day. Um, the Rock. So, so my, then, Tim, what's your favorite movie? Wait, but we, we have oh, to pause, hey, pause on yeah, that. Yeah. What's your so favorite movie? I'm, I'm a three-way tie for the original Star Wars movies. Oh, okay. It's impossible for me to pick a favorite. What's your analogy on why? Usually, I, I ask people about like their family members. Do you love your mother or your father more than the other? Or do you love one of your kids more than the other? Uh-huh. Sometimes people say, yes, I have a clear answer to that. And then it blows up my entire entire theory but i just like i love those three equally so i'm okay. a star wars guy okay. okay okay well now you have to answer um i uh i have um i have two yeah, yes i just said three so okay. <laughs> <laughs> raising arizona oh wow nick cage and, uh, yeah, that's right exactly i thought the same thing because another one that would uh is uh, valley girl i adore that i adore that movie early that nick movie. cage oh, early man. early nick and so two of your three are nick cage yeah movies. But, well so i don't know if i'd lump that that that's right up there in the top 10 um, oh, oh that's not one of yeah, your top yeah, three yeah. Top um two. Uh, i gotta go with my russian um minor side i would say a tie between reds and dr Zhivago. Mm. oh yeah i've not seen reds oh it's so oh, with war young war, medium age warren Beatty. <laughs> mature a mature <laughs> <Warren>. <laughs> Oh, that hair. <laughs> when I, uh, I when I was in Red Square, when I studied um, in the then Soviet Union in college, and I stood there looking, uh, I don't know if you know, but um, gosh, what is John's last name? Um, John. You need um, uh, Andy to look it up. <laughs> Andy. The, the character that he plays in, gosh, I'm embarrassed that it's blanking. In that. Reds. In Reds. And John, I, John in Reed. John, John Reed. Reed. Mm. And I remember, and he's the only... Um, maybe only foreigner, but definitely only American buried in red square. And so I'm looking down and I totally envision Warren Beatty laying there in a casket. It's like, no, Warren Beatty is not John Reed. So anyway, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so is it like a spy movie? We don't have to no, hang out on this No, it's too a long. kind of a, um, the story of John Reed. And, okay. Um, he was a journalist and he went and, uh, was there during the Russian revolution mm. and he was, um, pals with Trotsky and, Pals with um, an American. Oh gosh, the uh, uh, the playwright. I don't know. He Jack Nicholson played the playwright in that. Um, oh, you need Andy to look that up. I'm right not going to be helpful I need to know in this that. one. Yeah. And Diane Keaton's my... in it. Um, oh. And so, uh, yeah. Nice. So anyway, so but gosh, this is a real like early 1900s, uh, early 20th century because we talked about what craftsman style is. We talked yeah. about the Russian yeah. Revolution. We are yeah. really dancing around <laughs> genres, <laughs> right, subject matters. Right, right. Right. Ages. So, we haven't even talked about races yet. Yeah, no, so Jessica, <laughs> we are going to come back. What is okay. so? What are what are your top three marathons? How okay. about that? that that you've run? Yeah, my answer okay. is going to be super yeah. boring. But if I if I really had to just pick one, I would say Chicago. Being from Chicago, Chicago. it was my first marathon ever. Mm-hmm. I've run almost every single PR I've ever run at that race. Mm-hmm. And it's just so easy to get to the start. It's easy after the finish. So it's just very accessible while still giving you that like big, big. production marathon feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but How then many times it, have you run Chicago? Maybe five or six. Okay. So I think Including three times. Pacing. 
three oh. times racing, three times pacing. So six okay. times total. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then it's hard to, how could you argue with Boston? So mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of running Boston a couple times and that just makes you feel like such a badass when you're there. Mm-hmm. The whole town is there to make you feel super special. Um, and then I would say other than those two, this does seem super boring and I am realizing I need to run more smaller races, but, um, no. I would say London would be my third. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You were just, and you're talking about running New York last November. Yes. What's the smallest marathon you've ever run? Um, that's a good question. Probably my third marathon ever was the SunTrust national marathon, which got bought by rock and roll. Okay. So now it's the rock and roll DC. And at that time, maybe it was, well, and Nike, Nike women's 5, was how big? No, Nike, oh, women's, Nike women's was big. What year? I mean, I ran it. 2013, the full, and then 2015, the last year they did it, the half, because they only had the half. Um, So yeah, the the SunTrust National Marathon is probably the smallest. And it still had probably five or 6,000 total runners, but maybe only 1,000 marathoners. Well, yeah, you got to qualify that, because Nike Women's in the marathon had very few people. That was a ghost town for that second half of the race. Oh, probably closer to 1,000, maybe. But I mean, at that what the split... Man, it yeah. was like yeah. you're running there goes yourself. the Tokyo subway, and here I am on my country road going my yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Um, or maybe Eugene, Eugene or SunTrust were probably close in size. Yeah, Eugene's yeah, Eugene. what, like six to seven thousand. Yeah. Oh, I would have put it at like three thousand. I would be. Surprised. I think it's under five. And again, we're talking. We have to differentiate between half and full. Oh. So that could. Mm, are you sure thinking you it'd be three uh, for the whole for event? The marathon. Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking for the entire event. Okay. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't done a ton of races in Look that. Look at me also speaking up as if to correct him, yeah. your own business is races. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, excuse me. No. I but am... you are an Oregon native for much longer than <laughs> yes. us. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my answer to say I've run a lot of big races. I do want to explore some of, more, some of the more smaller races and a lot of the ones that we work with um, sound amazing. And so I'm adding them to my, to my list. I got to say, I'm a big proponent of mid-size races. Mm -hmm. You know, you get that uh, in terms of marathons, like I think of Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get a lot of, you know, local support. You have enough runners so that you feel like something's going on around you, but that, you know, you're not having to jockey for space. And yeah, I think that's a pretty perfect marathon. Yeah. Ah, uh, Twin Cities. Twin Cities, just yeah. lo- and so beautiful. We have so, not done it, oh, but also being yeah. from the Midwest, stunning, stunning, stunning. I mean, I just was uh, ready to move to the Twin Cities after that race. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's it's quite the a, only yeah. other than Boston. It's the only marathon I've ever run more than once. Nice. And I've only run fourteen marathons. So. Oh, that's yeah. quite the number. I mean, at this time last year, I was at fourteen. Oh. So you never know. A <laughs> so year you, from now, you, you could, could have a really back. busy right. twelve months. Right. right. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Um, so do I go? Yeah, is it me? Yeah. I think um, so. so yeah. And I will say like, we, <laughs> this is amazing. I think we're still going. Don't worry. We did get a phone call in. All right. <laughs> Facebook live still going. So, um, I, we, the reason that we've both done a lot of big races is our running group from Chicago. Uh, a couple of the guys really have been pushing to get our six stars for the, for the majors. Mm-hmm. So, we did. We first ran Boston together, and then we did Chicago, and then one of the guys was pushing for London, so we all went, and basically we got kind of swept up with this trying to finish the mm-hmm. major. So it really has resulted in mostly big marathons for us. Mm-hmm. I will say my favorite is probably Boston. I just think it's a total privilege to be able to run the race. The energy at the beginning is amazing. I think that if you want just like pure crowds, you can find maybe like a bigger end to end crowd situation in both New York and London, but cause it gets a little quiet after Hopkinton, but before you actually like go into downtown, um, I like it. I like 
the smallness that you get from the the small towns outside of Boston going into like I just think it's such a crescendo just like going mm-hmm. upward into the city so tons of tradition it's a privilege to run uh it's super exciting so that's that's my my favorite um and that is why I think you know we basically have big races I think my smallest race is the Madison Marathon yeah that was mm. a smaller race yeah mm-hmm. Madison, Wisconsin. And you said you're speaking of Wisconsin. You said you all have are doing something with Eau Claire. So yes. So uh, the way Bib Brave works with races is we help you know use the Bib Brave pros to push out messaging around the race, what makes it interesting, like when the new medal comes out, new T-shirt uh-huh. arrives, stuff that matters to runners when they're uh-huh. kind of deciding races. So Eau Claire Marathon is one of our partner races, uh-huh. and you're yeah. headed there soon, right? Well, yes, first weekend of May. Very nice. excited. Yeah. So you hopefully will see some Bib Brave pros there. So look for the orange. Oh, good. They'll good. be representing. Good, 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 good. They have an interesting expo. That the people at the expo they. Um, who the exhibitors? There's no fee to exhibit there. Oh, cool! And they just have to hand out, be um, giving something away. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, a sample of you know, if if goo were going to be there, they could hand out packets of chews or whatever. And um, but so yeah, we're handing out our another. I'm like, sure, we can do that. We can hand out our another mother runner bracelets. <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, otherwise, that's a lot of bumper stickers we'd have to give out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So people can look for you at the Eau Claire Marathon and the Eau date, Claire. remind me again, May? The first weekend in May. Okay, first uh, weekend in May. And I'm going to, I'm very excited, I'm going to be going to uh, Anchorage for the um, Anchorage, Anchorage Run Mar- Fest? Uh, for the marathon. Okay. Nice. Over, the, over uh, uh, you know, the um, summer equinox. Mm-hmm. Very um, cool. Uh, yes, very excited for that, going to that with my best running friend. Um, Molly. And Molly, very good. Oh, God. I am really impressed with Tim. <laughs> I'm so you unimpressive, know? though. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but, I just got a lot of sleep last night. So. <laughs> Put a running skirt on and we'll be a very mother runner. Uh, <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, gosh, what? I'm going to be at some other races this spring. Um, I was wondering if, like, maybe we we should, and we can talk offline to see if we'll kind of if our schedules will yeah. link up at all. Um, yeah. I'm gonna be at Hippie Chick. I always we always sell at Hippie Chick. Going cool. back to the start of things, um, and yeah, I mean we're having our Bammer Bastards be at a bunch of races. So um, yeah, Fryhoffer's Run for Women oh, cool. in nice. Albany, and uh, Dimity will be at Flying Pig, as I think IRA mentioned. So. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm sure we'll be oh, seeing more yeah. of you and hope to do another crossover. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I already so have fun. a mental Come list. to the basement. Okay. Yeah, I'd love uh, to. Perhaps in the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see if your description was accurate. Right. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on the show and chatting with you a little bit. Thank you. Really fun chatting with the both of you. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks.